Welcome to the Daily News and Brief podcast. Today is the 6th of August and this week's main stories are The explosion in Beirut that has killed at least 135 people, injured more than 4,000 and left up to 300,000 homeless was caused by ammonium nitrate on a Russian-owned ship that was abandoned in the Lebanese capital's port at least six years ago. The 87-metre Rosas, which was built in 1986, had 2,750 tonnes of the fertiliser on board, which was subsequently stored unsafely in a warehouse in 2014. Tuesday's explosion is believed to have entirely destroyed the port and inflicted damage on buildings across the city. Lebanon has declared three days of mourning and a two-week state of emergency, while France has sent three planes carrying rescuers, medical equipment and a mobile clinic to the stricken city. On Wednesday, the government announced that a number of Beirut port officials were placed under house arrest pending an investigation into the explosion. The country's Supreme Defence Council insisted that those found responsible will face the maximum punishment. Rescue workers are continuing to search through rubble and the death toll is expected to rise. A group of MPs has said the government made a serious mistake when it was slow to put quarantine restrictions on new arrivals into the country. The Home Affairs Committee said the introduction in early June of a requirement for people arriving from certain countries to quarantine should have come in earlier. It accused ministers of underestimating the threat from importing the virus from Europe as opposed to Asia and suggested countries such as Spain should have been subject to the restrictions sooner. A spokeswoman for the Home Office rebutted the claim, saying... All of our decisions throughout the pandemic have been guided by the science, with appropriate measures introduced at the right time to keep us all safe. Government advisor Professor Neil Ferguson has warned that reopening secondary schools next month is likely to spread coronavirus and necessitate tighter measures. The Imperial College London academics said the UK would have to row back on the relaxation of restrictions if all pupils returned full time. His advice came as Anne Longfield, England's Children's Commissioner, said closing schools should be a last resort in any future lockdowns. Briefing ministers, she said restaurants, shops and other non-essential services should be closed in order for educational establishments to be kept open. Scotland's first minister reimposed lockdown restrictions in Aberdeen on Wednesday. Pubs and restaurants closed at 5pm on Wednesday evening after Nicola Sturgeon decided the city's 54 recent cases constituted a significant outbreak and community transition could not be ruled out. Aberdeen is the first city in Scotland to undergo a local lockdown, with 228,000 inhabitants no longer allowed to meet in others' houses or travel more than five miles for leisure activities. The restrictions will be reviewed next Wednesday. Rising coronavirus infection rates have prompted authorities in Greater Manchester to declare a major incident. Police, local authorities and other agencies have discussed ways of increasing the readiness of emergency and public services to respond to climbing transmission rates in several parts of the region. A spokesman for Greater Manchester Combined Authority said the declaration of a major incident was no more than a boost to its capabilities. The government has insisted its track and trace programme is working, despite warnings from scientists that it is not strong enough to prevent a second wave of coronavirus. For the virus to be kept in check, researchers at the University of London say the programme would need to catch at least three quarters of symptomatic COVID-19 cases and then follow up with at least 70% of their contacts. At the moment, the programme reaches around half of such cases and only follows up with about 50% of their contacts. Nevertheless, local government minister Simon Clark said the programme was working and would continue to improve. The UK Clinical Virology Network has written to England's chief medical officer and chief scientific advisor to say its expertise is being ignored. Pointing to the announcement earlier this week of 90-minute coronavirus tests, the network said it had been using similar rapid tests already but had no information about the specific tests the government has signed up to buy. It also pointed to a procurement issue in March, when the government bought antibody tests that were then found not to work well enough. The latest total from Johns Hopkins University shows there have been more than 700,000 deaths involving COVID-19 around the world. 
The US has reported the most deaths at 156,830, followed by Brazil with 95,000, Mexico with 48,000, the UK with 46,000, and India with 39,000. Johns Hopkins University also assisted with a sample survey of 9,500 people in Afghanistan that has suggested almost one third of the country's population, or about 10 million people, might have been infected with COVID-19. Meanwhile, in South Africa, more than half a million infections have now been confirmed. The country's health minister announced more than 10,000 new cases on Saturday, bringing the total tally to 503,290. Authorities have warned transmission rates are increasing rapidly in South Africa, with the country now reporting the fifth highest number of cases worldwide. In Europe, Ukraine posted a record daily high of 1,271 new coronavirus cases this week. The country eased lockdown measures two months ago and has recently seen cases begin to spike. Meanwhile, Sweden, which was an outlying European nation in not imposing a strict lockdown, has reported an 8.6% fall in the size of its national economy during the second quarter of the year. The figure is better than those posted by other EU nations, but is still the country's worst quarterly fall in decades. France is highly likely to experience a second wave of coronavirus in autumn or winter, according to its National Scientific Committee. In a statement published by the country's health ministry, the committee also warned there could be an earlier second wave if social distancing rules were not adhered to. Elsewhere in Europe, Poland has reported its highest daily increase in cases and is now considering measures such as mandatory testing for anyone returning to the country and compulsory quarantine for those arriving from some countries. An investigation by the BBC's Persian service has found the number of COVID-19 deaths in Iran is almost three times the figure publicly acknowledged by the Middle Eastern country's government. Tehran's health ministry has logged 14,405 deaths, but the government's own records, leaked to the BBC by an anonymous source, show the true figure has been deliberately suppressed and that almost 42,000 people had died up to the 20th of July. The source said they shared the data in order to shed light on truth and to end political games around the virus. Tens of millions of people in the Philippines are back in lockdown after doctors warned a surge in new coronavirus cases could cause the healthcare system to collapse. Stay-at-home orders are now in place in Manila and four surrounding provinces on the island of Luzon for two weeks. The country only emerged from lockdown in June. Elsewhere, the Australian state of Victoria has announced fresh restrictions in an attempt to contain the disease. Melbourne has been placed under a strict six-week lockdown after 671 new infections were registered overnight in Victoria on Sunday. Under the new rules, residents can shop for essentials and exercise once a day within a five-kilometre radius of their home. Officials have similarly tightened statewide restrictions and a state of disaster has been declared, giving police greater powers to enforce the new rules. In business news, Peter Cheese, chief executive of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, has said research shows the majority of FTSE 100 companies have not cut top executive pay, despite many of the firms turning to the taxpayer to pay the wages of furloughed workers. The organisation worked with the High Pay Centre to analyse the ways the UK's biggest firms had navigated the coronavirus pandemic. Together, they found just 36 of them had reduced their CEO's pay and that the measures those 36 took were superficial or short term. The report suggested high levels of CEO pay were likely to be particularly controversial in the case of companies that have drawn on government support. It found 19 of the FTSE 100 companies had taken advantage of the Job Retention Scheme or Coronavirus Corporate Financing Facility Loan Scheme. BP has cut its quarterly payout to investors for the first time since 2010's Deepwater Horizon disaster. Blaming lockdowns that destroyed government demand for oil, its chief executive, Bernard Looney, said the second quarter of the year had been one of the very toughest. After reporting a $1.8 billion profit for Q2 2019, the oil and gas giant posted a $16.8 billion loss this time around, saying it will press ahead with plans to cut 10,000 jobs across the group. 
HSBC has reported a 96% slump in profits. Europe's largest lender posted second quarter net income of $192 million, far below the $1.3 billion analysts had expected. The bank recorded a 4% fall in revenue, largely thanks to a drop in its retail banking income. But the main reason for the collapse in profits was its decision to increase its reserves for bad loans. HSBC is now planning to accelerate its programme of 35,000 job cuts and will also look at further ways to reduce costs. WH Smith and M&Co are the latest retailers to announce job losses. Scotland-based fashion chain M&Co, formerly known as McKay's, is to shed 400 of its 2,600 workers as it closes 47 of its 262 stores. WH Smith has said it will cut 1,500 jobs, equating to around 15% of its global workforce. Most of the losses will be in its travel shops, which suffered a 92% drop in revenue during April's lockdown peak and have not fully recovered. William Hill is not going to reopen the 119 branches it closed for the coronavirus lockdown. Having relocated many of the staff at the disappearing shops, it expects to only have to make 16 redundancies. William Hill also posted a £141 million profit for the first half of 2020 yesterday and said it would repay the £24.5 million it claimed from the government to support around 7,000 furloughed staff. The gambling firm said the lack of sporting fixtures in lockdown meant revenues were delayed rather than entirely lost and picked up again once sport resumed. Thousands more jobs are set to be lost on the high street after Pizza Express announced it will close 15% of its restaurants. Up to 70 of the chain's 449 restaurants could be shut as it goes through an insolvency process. Meanwhile, Dixon's Carphone said it will get rid of roles such as retail manager, assistant manager and team leader while creating more customer-facing jobs for a net overall loss of 800 positions. Retail chain DW Sports is entering administration, putting 1,700 jobs at risk. The gym and sports specialist operates 73 gyms and 75 stores across the UK. All of the retail outlets will now close, but the business has said it will try to save as many gyms as possible. Fitness First, which has 43 gyms, is part of the same group, but is unaffected by the news. Finally, Hayes Travel, the firm that bought Thomas Cook's shops, has warned that one-fifth of its 4,500 employees could lose their jobs as a result of the new restrictions on travel to Spain, which have resulted in thousands of holidays being cancelled. In wild news, Donald Trump has called for a substantial portion of any money any American firm pays for TikTok's US arm to be given to the US Treasury. The president, who will ban the app in the US if a deal is not reached by the 15th of September, said, The United States should get a very large percentage of that price because we're making it possible. Trump's threat to crack down on Chinese tech companies, which he has accused of handing data to the Chinese government, has put TikTok under pressure to sell its American operations. Microsoft, which is looking to buy the American arm of TikTok, has said that if the deal went ahead, it would ensure all private data on American users would be transferred to the US and remain there. Video footage shot by a detainee of conditions inside one of China's internment camps has been released. Murden Gapar, a 31-year-old Uyghur, was a successful fashion model until he was detained in January this year. His four-and-a-half-minute video shows him shackled to a bed in a filthy bedroom, wearing dirty clothes and suffering with swollen ankles. He also sent text messages to his family detailing human rights violations, torture and violent abuse of detainees, including teenage boys. China claims the camps in Xinjiang province are voluntary and designed to combat separatism, terrorism and extremism, particularly within the Uyghur community. It also says that they have mostly been closed, but the new video adds to growing evidence that supports credible estimates suggesting up to one million Uyghurs and other minorities have been forced into them. Gapa has not been heard from since March. 
two NASA astronauts returned to Earth on Sunday in the first space splashdown in 45 years. Bob Benken and Doug Hurley left the International Space Station in the early hours of Sunday before landing off the coast of Florida at around 7.48pm UK time. The splashdown location in the Gulf of Mexico was selected by NASA and its commercial partner SpaceX to avoid the path of a hurricane as it tracked up Florida's east coast on Sunday. The astronauts' successful return means the US is capable of sending its people into orbit and back for the first time since the retirement of its space shuttles in 2011. Former monarch Juan Carlos has left Spain amid a money laundering scandal. The 82-year-old abdicated in 2014. Spain's royal family has come under pressure from its government amid growing public anger about claims that Juan Carlos ferried millions of dollars to and from Swiss bank accounts. Juan Carlos had been considered a national hero for his role in moving Spain towards democracy after the death of its dictator, General Franco, in 1975. Spanish media have reported that he might have moved to the Dominican Republic. In UK news, Public Health England has told healthcare providers and drug treatment services to look out for illicit tablets being sold as benzodiazepines, such as Xanax and diazepam, which can be prescribed to treat anxiety or insomnia. PHE issued the warning after being made aware of 12 cases in the last four months in which the illicit pills, which are often blue and may stain people's mouths, were linked to deaths or illnesses requiring hospitalisation. Experts had warned in April that drug users were turning to benzodiazepines while other drugs were in short supply. Scotland's exam body has reduced 125,000 estimated grades, more than one quarter of the total. This year's exams were cancelled because of the coronavirus pandemic, leaving results, which were announced on Tuesday, to be estimated by teachers based on a pupil's performance throughout the academic year. The Scottish Qualifications Authority said its moderation process, which led to reductions, ensured fairness to all learners and maintained standards and credibility. However, opposition politicians say the board has treated the judgment of teachers with contempt, warning there will now be a deluge of appeals. Despite the SQA's interventions, pass rates were up for all of Scotland's three types of national exam. Britain is set to accelerate its planning system in order to rapidly approve the construction of new buildings and homes. Writing in the Sunday Telegraph, Housing Minister Robert Jenrick announced permission in principle will be automatically granted to developments on land designated for renewal in order to speed up projects in England. Jenrick said the country's planning system had contributed to a lack of housing stock. His claims have been challenged by the local government association. Its chair, James Jameson, pointed out that 90% of planning applications have received the necessary approval from councils, yet more than a million homes given permission in the last decade have not yet been built. Violent crime has returned to pre-coronavirus levels, prompting warnings from regional leaders that the economic impact of the pandemic could increase the number of offences. 17 homicides were recorded in London in July, the highest monthly total this year. London Mayor Sadiq Khan said he believes there is a real risk of violent crime spiking as lockdown is eased, unless the government improves funding for police and youth services. City Hall research suggests a third of 18 to 24-year-old employees in London have lost their jobs or been furloughed. West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner David Jameson expressed similar profound concerns that unemployed young people could turn to crime after violent offences in the region hit their highest monthly level in at least 12 months in June. A report from the Royal Meteorological Society says new UK temperature records reveal the increasing impact of global warming on the country's climate. Four UK temperature records were broken in 2019, including an all-time high temperature of 38.7 degrees Celsius recorded on the 25th of July in Cambridge and a winter high of 21.2 degrees Celsius recorded on the 26th of February in Kew. In Politics the Times has identified Viktor Fedotov as the Russian tycoon who has donated almost £250,000 to the Conservative Party. 
The 73-year-old owns Aquind, a company that is seeking government approval to build a £1.2 billion undersea electricity interconnector between the UK and France. Five cabinet ministers or their constituency parties, including Rishi Sunak, Alok Sharma and Brandon Lewis, have received donations from Aquind or one of its directors. The identity of Aquind's ultimate owner had been hidden thanks to an unusual exemption from corporate transparency rules. After concerns were voiced by the Commons Intelligence and Security Committee last month about the influence of a Russian elite on British life, a group of senior Tories called for the owner to be named. The government is under mounting pressure to reconsider its decision not to suspend a senior Conservative MP accused of rape. Meanwhile, its chief whip, Mark Spencer, faces accusations that he knew about the complaints for four months and took no action. The MP was arrested at the weekend after a woman in her 20s, who had worked as a parliamentary researcher, made a complaint of rape and sexual assault. He was later bailed until a date in mid-August. The allegations surfaced on Sunday after Scotland Yard confirmed it had arrested a man in his 50s. Police said the complaints against the suspect related to four separate incidents involving allegations of sexual offences and assault occurring between July 2019 and January 2020. Nobel Peace Prize winner John Hume has died aged 83 at a nursing home in his native Derry. Hume, a founder of Northern Ireland's Nationalist, Social Democratic and Labour Party, and its leader from 1979 to 2001, is widely regarded as one of the most important Irish politicians of the last century. His opposition to violence, willingness to compromise and ability to reach out across communities underpinned the 1998 Good Friday Agreement, which ended most of the violence of the Troubles, the political conflict in Northern Ireland that began in the 1960s. Former US President Bill Clinton, who became a friend of Hume, this week described him as the Martin Luther King of the Irish conflict. An investigation by The Guardian and Open Democracy has revealed a PR firm with links to the Conservative Party was awarded a £3 million contract to work on the government's COVID-19 messaging without a competitive tender. Topham Guerin, a specialist in social media content, was responsible for controversially renaming the Tory party's Twitter account Fact Check UK during a leaders' debate ahead of last year's general election. Emergency procurement rules currently allow the government to award contracts without competitive tendering. Under the rules, previous contracts have also been awarded to Faculty, an AI firm that had previously worked for Boris Johnson's chief advisor Dominic Cummings, and Public First, a research firm owned by long-term associates of both Cummings and Cabinet Office Minister Michael Gove. Our facts of the week are It could take just 90 minutes to fly from London to New York on a supersonic business jet. Virgin Galactic has partnered with Rolls-Royce and NASA to develop an aircraft that could travel at Mach 3, around 2,300 miles per hour. According to a design unveiled this week, the plane would carry up to 19 passengers and crew at an altitude above 60,000 feet. Concorde, which retired in 2003, travelled at Mach 2, around 1,300 miles per hour. The British Antarctic Survey has identified 11 previously unknown colonies of emperor penguins in Antarctica, thanks to guano patches picked up on satellite images. The findings increase the number of known colonies of the endangered birds by one-fifth. Each new colony is thought to number a few hundred birds, meaning the total increase in the known population is around 5-10%. to Emperor penguins are particularly vulnerable to climate change because they are the only species of penguin to breed on sea ice rather than land. And finally, on average, Brits spent 40% of their waking hours watching TV at the height of lockdown. Broadcasting regulator Ofcom's latest annual study of viewing habits has found the average person spent almost six and a half hours a day in front of a screen during April, 90 minutes more per day than the figure recorded for the same period of 2019. Ofcom's report also estimates that 12 million adults signed up to a new streaming service during lockdown. (music) 
that's it for this week if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe and tell your friends we'll see you next time bye bye